and talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. This is Alex, of course, and I'm a pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. We believe at Messiah that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith, and one of the best ways to do this is read the Bible, God's Word, and talk about it. We're here to encourage each other on this journey toward growing up and talking about God's Word. As a Messiah family, we're going through a three-year Bible reading plan, and today I have a special guest with us. His name is Pastor the Right Reverend Coleman Geraci. Coleman, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Alex. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, and uh, I don't know how much of the right reverend I, I fit ah, in that category. but The wrong I, reverend. Uh, yes, that's probably more accurate. I, I appreciate the compliment. Though. Oh, you're so humble. Yeah. Uh, well, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> to to kind of kind of catch you up since we haven't uh, we haven't really talked too much since seminary. Let's not um, tell them I, that we're not really that close of friends, okay? Let's uh, pretend <laughs> like we're a lot closer than we really are here, okay? Okay. Well, um, I received a call to uh, uh, Michigan District, and I am serving two congregations. Generally speaking, in the Ann Arbor area, they're, they're actually outside Ann Arbor. Um, and the town that I live in is Milan, Michigan. And uh, it's a, both congregations are, are fairly small. Um, and uh, it's been an interesting time with uh, COVID going on, but we are trying to stay faithful and continue to grow uh, and serve the Lord by serving our community. And, um, you know, it's been a it's been a fun uh, but interesting time, and yet through it all, the Lord is faithful, and uh, His Word endures forever, and I'm excited to be here to talk about His Word with you. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, could you show us on your hand where Ann Arbor is? Um, no, because I, uh, I am not that good with uh, geography. So oh. it's it's never it's mind below. the fact that this is a listening only podcast. But anyways, well. uh, thank you, Coleman, for that. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, what a ride we're going to have today, my, fr- yeah. my friend. All right. Today, we're going to cover the readings from October 17th through 23rd on our three year Bible reading plan at Messiah. And of course, you know me. I like to keep it focused. I like to keep it concise. So we're only going to cover four chapters in First Chronicles, but they're very interesting chapters, just like COVID-19. Very interesting. First uh, Chronicles 18 through 21. So I'm going to give you a summary of what's going on here, and then we will jump into the questions. First of all, as you can see in the subtitle of chapter 18, chapter 18 is about David defeating his enemies. Um, and that's pretty much what that's all about. David defeats his enemies. Some people are like, oh my goodness, David. And they say, we should uh, become your friends now uh, because we don't want to be your enemy anymore, David. Um, And it also kind of gives you some details on how David organized his administration because every good leader has other good leaders around them. Uh, no No good leader ever does it alone. Even Jesus surrounded himself with 12 disciples. He didn't need them, but he wanted them. There you go. Uh, David needed his his friends, though. Uh, chapter 19, the Ammonites disgraced David's men. So a couple of David's men, they go out to uh, uh, treat this guy, Hanun, uh, with some decency, some honor, uh, because his father has died, um, and uh, they, they kind of feel bad for the guy, and they just want to give his condolences. So David sends his his crew over, and, um, you know, the guys, the leaders surrounding Hanun are kind of doubtful of this endeavor, even though David means well, he he is true to his word. Uh, they don't trust uh, David's men, and so they disgrace David's men by cutting their clothes and, um, you know, the, the phrase that we say with, uh, the buttocks flapping in the wind. That's basically what happens there. Um, so they are dishonored and disgraced, and they go to Jericho to grow out their beards again. Because back in those days, having a beard was important. Um, 
what else happens? Basically, there's a bunch of battles that occur. The Ammonites and the Syrians get caught up in, um, you know, David uh, defeating people. I think uh, a king named Hedadezer um, sees that um, David is defeating the Ammonites, and he is saying, David, I would like to be your friend. So a lot of a lot of peacemaking with David because people don't want to be on David's bad side, which is probably a good thing. Then they capture Rabbah, I believe. Let's talk about this later, Coleman. I believe this is also a parallel story to the time that David is home in Jerusalem or wherever he's at, um, and uh, he sins with Bathsheba. But that part is left out in First Chronicles, and we will talk about that. David uh, and his army kills some more giants. There is apparently a giant who was really tall, had six fingers and six toes. Twenty, oh, it says 24 in number. Oh, wow. Four. I, four times four times six. Oh. A six on six on each hand, six on each foot. Oh, I oh okay, I see. Yeah. I, I thought they were saying he was twenty four foot tall as well. So <laughs> yeah. wow. Wow. He would be really skinny and I feel like his bones would be very brittle. But anyway, yes. he had six fingers and six toes, so twenty four total. All right. They defeated that giant. Then David um, wants to count the number of people in Israel. And this is apparently um, instigated by Satan to count the people in Israel. And Joab, one of David's main advisors and leaders surrounding him, counsels him to not do this, to not take a census, to not count the people in Israel. But David, of course, does this anyway. So they count the people, and God is not pleased with David taking a census and counting the people. So God gives David a, uh, a game of would you rather and um, says, would you rather be punished this way or that way? And J David says, I'd rather be punished by you, Lord, uh, to have pestilence fall into our land because I know that even though you're going to punish us, you are a merciful God. So David chooses um, to be punished by God in a certain way, and a pestilence or disease is, or something is sent on Israel, and 700,000 Israelites die. Uh, God is about to send an angel to destroy Jerusalem, and it says in my translation, it is enough, stay your hand. Oh, and, and the Lord saw and he relented from the calamity. So he seems to change his direction there. And then David builds an altar, he repents, he um, is, you know, in sincere repentance and realizes, I have sinned greatly against the Lord. And that's what ends our four chapters there. So that was a summary, if you can believe it. Uh, Coleman, or I'm sorry, Pastor Coleman. What Coleman's fine. Alex, we're, we're, we're buddies. That's not a problem. So. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> Your holiness... <laughs> was there any was there any particular anything in particular that stood out to you so so there are a couple of things i mean it's it's an interesting uh you know episode in uh, the history of israel in these in these four chapters uh well one you know there is this contrast of what happens in chronicles versus what happens in uh second samuel and you're mm -hmm. right they um uh, the battle that happens that's described in just a few verses in uh, um, chapter 20 of, of Chronicles, it's actually, you know, it's this huge section. Uh, and, and actually, there's a lot of time that passes um, in between what happens in chapter 20 and 21 in First uh, Chronicles. Well, in Second Samuel, it's about 13 chapters um, that happen. So, you know, there's the, it's interesting that, that you read uh, – Second, Second Samuel, and you read First Chronicles, and you're going to get a lot of the same events, but you've got different emphases on them. And I, I think that's one thing that makes uh, the, the the recounting uh, of both histories beautiful. Just like you know, we have four Gospels, uh, four different accounts of Jesus walking on the earth, and you've got different emphases in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, and then different. And they're they're different than John. 
um, you, you get this broader, more beautiful picture of what God is doing. And so uh, the chronicler who writes first and second chronicles, you know, his emphasis is a little different than what Samuel's is, yet it still reveals God's ongoing work and his concern for his people and his concern for his name going forward. Uh, and with that, you know, this this section in, in first chronicles is a an interesting transition point um, to kind of I know you wanted to stay focused in uh, chapters 18 through 21, but you can't quite jump into 18 through 21 without uh, recognizing what happens in chapter 17. I think that sets the stage for what happens in 18 through 21. And the way the chronicler has uh, uh, incorporated this in, in chapter 17, this is where God gives uh, David the covenant saying, you know, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to appoint uh, a place for my people. I'm going to build a house for you. I will make your offspring after you. Uh, I, I will make them great, and I will establish your offspring's kingdom. Now, uh, to pause there and, and, and kind of jump into the Christian perspective, we know that those things are fulfilled in Jesus. But in the in uh, but going back into the Chronicles section, these these promises are what God makes to David, and David is looking for that. To happen, you know, in the near future. And so these are the things uh, that God has said that will come about for David, that he's going to do for David. Um, and David responds in a prayer uh, to God uh, about it and is, you know, thankful for it. And then he starts to see these things take place in a sense. Um, you know, the promise of making your name great, that was the same promise that was given to Abraham when God appeared to Abraham back in Genesis uh, chapter 13 and chapter 15. Um, and so this idea of, okay, I, your name is going to be great, and that means you will be renowned in the world. Well, how how else would you be renowned in the, in the world, and especially in the Old Testament time, other than having military victories? I mean, mm. when, your, when your military goes out and conquers, you know, uh, people group after people group and it's like okay it's exactly what you said that david we're not going to mess with him the people of israel we're not going to mess with him and so you know that's that's kind of the unfolding of, of god's promise at least one aspect of it um in making david's name great he is a great warrior and the people of israel are great warriors so that's that's one part that that stands out to me um the second part, though, and this is, you know, this is true of 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 David uh, and true of all all Christians as well. Um, the sinner saint aspect, mm. you know, you you see you see this these promises coming to pass that David is having these victories, and it's of course the the victories are attributed to David. They kind of fall under his watch, but it's always God who is giving him these victories. Um, but then, you know, when you get to chapter uh, 20, uh, you get this uh, or 21, excuse me, uh, you get this kind of sinful action from David. Um, now, the chronicler says that it's Satan who incites uh, David to uh, uh, do the census. In uh, Samuel, it says that the Lord incites David to do this. And are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, there, there's this question of, well, what's what's going on here? And and the point is, uh, it, it, there, there's kind of really two things. One, Satan can do that if God lets him. You remember yeah. uh, Luther, yeah. Luther talks about Luther talks about Satan is still God, Satan. He's God right. still has him on a leash. Yeah. Um, so uh, but but the point of it is, it's that within um David's heart, you know, is this 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 sinfulness, this turning away from actually trusting the promises that God made to him. You think about uh, the census, and it, it doesn't seem on the outset like a census is that bad a deal. Uh, right. Coming, having been in the military, um, you know, accountability of personnel is extremely important. Uh, it's really the first in, uh, thing that you do as a leader in the military is making sure you know where your men or women 
are at any given time. Um, and especially as they go out to battle, you have, having accountability anytime an activity happens, okay. uh, that's, that's a priority in the military. So here's so, my question. I was sure. confused by this because I was thinking, what's so bad about a census? And then it's interesting that Joab, who's one of the main military leaders, if not David, probably David's right-hand man, in all the military battles is saying, this is not a good idea. Let's not do this. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're, it, uh, because Joab is actually coming at it from the faithful perspective, and, okay. and you don't, you don't really, you don't really get why, why is David wanting to do this, hmm. um, and, and why does it seem so wrong? And, and and you're right, Joab, who is the commander, who knows at least, at least according to a military understanding, who knows where his men are and what they're doing and all that, says, no, you don't need to do that. Well, what's revealed is that David is actually, you know, putting his trust in his military might. There's ah, a sense of, okay. um, you know, okay, if, if I count my, if I count revealed my numbers, in this account, yeah, it's okay. uh, it re- revealed that. towards towards the the latter. <laughs> oh, it's it's okay. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's a little it's a little implied in it. Yeah, um, okay, gotcha. But it's but this is what angers God is. Yeah. David okay. starts to to look at his numbers and say, this is what we've got. Um, and that makes us great. And he forgets that it's no, no, no. It is God who has made you great. He's the one who promised to do it. He's the one who's delivering all these things to you. You know, don't worry about what you have. If you have God, you have everything. That's the point that, and that's really what Joab is. That's why he thinks that it's a, um, it's a bad idea. It's like the point is God has been faithful to us in delivering our enemies into our hands uh, and, and giving us victory. You know, let's, let's just worry about that. We don't need to worry about how many we actually have. Hmm. So, uh, but I bring that up. That's, that, that stood out to me because again, it shows this contrast, um, this sinner saint dynamic that uh, David embodies in that all Christians embody. You know, God has given us wonderful promises as Christians, yet there are still things that we do that are against his will, that are not according to, to his design and his desires. Um, and the reality is when that happens, what's the answer? Well, David actually shows us in the end of chapter 21, it's repentance. It's returning yeah. to God. Yep. So I would say that those are those are the. Uh, the big things that stand out in this this section um yeah so cool yeah dude thank you so much uh well sure. ladies and gentlemen um the right wrong center saint holy <laughs> reverend coleman geraci uh, just pointed out the things that stood out to him i had a question about what was confusing to me he answered that question he also gave us great hope And he also told us how it applied to our life today. So thank you very much. This has been Grow Up and Talk. We will see you next time. I'm just kidding. Um, But but way to to go, Coleman, uh, for uh, showing us, modeling for us, you know, a lot of the things that you are seeing and and all that. Um, My family just arrived at home, so kind of looking at the... um, uh, the little uh, Zoom recorder to see if any of the background noise is being picked up. It is not. So let us continue. Uh, the thing that stood out to me, um, uh, if I'm allowed to talk, I don't know if Coleman will let me. Um, oh, go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Um, I'm just messing with you, Coleman. Uh, I, well, first of all, I got to be honest, like sometimes like first chronic, well, you know, first Chronicles and second and first and second, first and second Chronicles and first and second Samuel have a lot of overlap and first Chronicle, the Chronicles are kind of, um, you know, they're not going to get into as much of the details sometimes. So I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, first Chronicles 18 through 21, but man, there's some really interesting stuff here. Like with the angel of the Lord standing over Jerusalem with a sword and David saw it, David could see it with his eyes. I would, I would, I would be scared, man. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course he was repenting. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a good, 
for me, the application is, is a lot of times like in our world, in our, in our world today, there's so many messages that tell us this sin or this thing or this action or this way of thinking is not that bad. And I think that prevents us from realizing the seriousness of our sin because yeah. at first glance, we're looking at chapter 21 and we're like, Oh, Holy cow, God, like, or Holy moly, God, like, or <laughs> Holy census, Batman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. For all you uh, Adam West Batman fans out there. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, it's like, wow, geez, God, like, really? Um, this is a lot for just a guy who wanted to count his people. I mean, he wanted to count the sheep. Isn't that yeah. what shepherds do? Like, David mm-hmm. is kind of like a shepherd king. Come on, man. Like, seriously? Um, but it, it really, it really shows that it matters where your heart is at in these kinds of things, because in the book of numbers, like it was all about numbers in Exodus. It, you know, the numbers of the people matter. Like we take attendance. And I was actually reading, um, a book that was kind of some research. And, and typically I thought like, you know, attendance, we get so caught up in even church attendance nowadays, but, but actually sometimes church attendance tells people like, yeah, if we count you, you matter. You matter to us. So I think numbers can be important if the heart's in the right place. Okay, so why are we counting this? Why are we, you know, so really counting things that are according to the standard of God. And that really stood out to me. It's like, whoa, this census thing really escalated, like, seriously, <laughs> really quickly. And, yeah. um, and I was very surprised by that. It was very dramatic. And, and David's like, oh, you know, no, 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 please. Um, well, it's also kind of surprising that God plays a game of would you rather. And he he, he lets him pick out his punishment, um, yeah. which actually, in a way, is a mercy. Is actually, that's even a mercy of God. Now that I'm thinking right. about it, I'm just thinking out loud here. Um, is actually yeah, a mercy well- of God. It's not like God's playing games, but he's saying, like, which would you rather do? But, I mean, the thing that, that stood out to me that was, was also really concerning was the fact that, you know, the Lord had sent a pestilence on Israel, and David chose his punishment, the pestilence on Israel, and 700,000 men of Israel fell. It kind of reminded me of, like, uh, you know, like you see in the war movies, and I know you have a military background, and we're actually a military city. Um, is what San Antonio is called. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've seen war movies or war shows or whatever where, like, you know, um, the people who feel responsible for the deaths of the people who died in battle, they're the ones that the leader is the one that shows up at the door or writes the letter home or whatever. And, like, just to think how David would have felt, like, Oh yeah. my gosh, that would it that is just gut wrenching and to think that he brought that, you know, this is more than just like, oh, you know, I messed up and now my whole kingdom's doing push ups for me. This is right. <laughs> <laughs> this is like seven hundred thousand men died. Seven hundred thousand fathers and sons and brothers died. And that's not you know, that's no ordinary thing. That is just like, oh my gosh, that would bring you to, if that doesn't bring you to your knees, like actually that to to me would bring me to my knees, I think, well before I'm starting to see an angel with a big giant sword flailing over my city, you know. But the interesting yeah. thing too that I had a question about that I, I thought might be worth talking about was... um I was listening to the message, and then I read it in person. Okay, so don't have a seizure on me, Coleman. <laughs> um, but I was actually listening in audio because I have a Bible app called the Dwell app, and it's it kind of they have custom music and everything, and have playlists and stuff, and so it was really, really well done. But I mm-hmm. find that sometimes when I listen to like the ESV um, on audio with like the guitar playing or the, the ambient music or whatever it is, you can choose your track or choose your narrator. I find that I tend to get lost and I tend to get less. Um, I, I remember less. And so I start thinking about other things. So I tend to like 
have that hypnosis effect. But when I was listening to the message, it's just telling me, oh, you know, after David got done with Gath, he went on to, to this battle and, and this kind of thing. And, and, mm-hmm. and actually what the message said was that the Lord changed his mind uh, in this section here. But here in the ESV, it says the Lord saw and he relented from the calamity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, but that's often a topic that people talk about, um, is does God change his mind? You know, cause we don't like to say that God changes, but, but then, but then there's times in the Bible where it seems like God's changing his mind or like he's playing, um, Russian roulette or would you rather with David? Like, Hey, what punishment do you want God? So yeah. to someone who's not as, um, you know, familiar with these stories or who's just seeing this for the first time, especially, you know, I, I get why people have the impression of like, Oh God, just God change, does change his mind sometimes. This is weird. <clears throat> what kind of God is that? Right. That's, that's a great question. Um, and the, the uh, in, you know, there's a, uh, when we read the scriptures, and, and when we we hear God communicating to us through the scriptures, we have to remember that it is uh, it is through human language and through human metaphor that God conveys the truth about himself to us. So there are things that humans are going to perceive and write down uh, or that God is going to inspire them to to uh, write down for us and for our benefit uh, that that don't quite add up. Um, we do believe God is is unchangeable. Uh, he declares that himself. Um, so, yeah, what does it mean that he relents from the calamity um, or that he that he changed his mind? Did he have a, a change of opinion? Now, my uh, personal opinion on this is he doesn't go forth with his full wrath on uh, Jerusalem. That's what that's what this text means. Um, in that, you know, he sees uh, the repentance of David and um, and he withholds the the ongoing uh, destruction of or the, you know, the complete destruction yeah. of um, Jerusalem. And, you know, and so he tells his angel, it is enough. Stay your hand. And, and we get images of that, um, you know, with uh, even talk going back to Abraham. Um, when Abraham basically, it sounds like he's having this conversation with God about, you know, well, if we just find, you know, 50 men or, or just, you know, 20 men or just 10 men or just one man that's righteous in those cities, or will you not destroy it? And, you know, God kind of goes back and forth with that. Um, and there, there is a sense that, you know, God is, is, is actually testing us. Um, with with that, uh, even thinking back to the the beginning, the creation account, you know, God says to uh, right after the fall, God says, Adam, where are you to the man? Where are you? God knows where he is. Um, but he's but he's asking that question to kind of uh, to to really to, to get Adam to repent. But that's written down for us in the sense that. You know, God does know everything and and his reactions, um, what we what we perceive his reactions are, are to get us to contemplate where we are and to to get us to repent as well. So that maybe doesn't really answer the question, does God change or not? Um, But it helps us at least understand, you know, what God is doing uh, and and the words that are he inspires to be written down for us mm-hmm. and hands down to us, that's really it's it's to describe him, but it's also to you know it, it, invite that change in right. us, invite that repentance in us. Hmm. Um, yeah. So so maybe God is playing a little game of I keep all, making all these game analogies, um, a little game of you know pantomime have you ever done that thing where you try to mirror exactly what the other like you're standing two people face each other and they try to mirror each other's motions yeah 
Yeah. I, 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 I beat my two year old in it all the time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think a helpful way of, of, of kind of answering this question too. another helpful thing, because I do think that your answer um, was helpful in remembering how uh, the scriptures come to us and how God reveals himself to us as, and it interacts with us even. Um, is he, he interacts with us on an earthly level, on a, a level that we understand. Um, but also that the character of God does not change. Right. The character of God does not change. Ex- so, so excellent, put, excellent point. Put that, put that word character right in front of God does not change, and that'll solve all your problems, and 2020 <laughs> won't even seem like a big deal anymore. All, all right. right. Well, anyways, um, I was going to say one other thing. Oh, yeah, here's the thing that gives me great hope is actually the beginning of chapter 20. Because chapter 20, the beginning, it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, Joab went out to battle and David didn't. And in previous episodes, we talked about how the whole thing with Bathsheba wouldn't have happened if David was doing what a king was supposed to be doing, which was going out to war and being a leader, being a servant leader, rather than staying back home and eating grapes and drinking wine and um, trying to kill Uriah through secondary means, silly man. Um, but um, this was, this is what gives me hope in all seriousness, is because uh, there is a different emphasis of Chronicles than there is of Samuel, which... First and Second Samuel were written as one book, and First and Second Chronicles were written as one book, but in different times, I believe. Uh, from what I know, Chronicles was written at the time that the Jews were coming back from Babylon from their years of exile, and they were returning back to the land of Judah into Jerusalem again, which had been totally destroyed and changed um, by the Babylonians, and at, at some point they were going to need to rebuild the temple. And so they're retelling the history of Israel, but in a particular way. They are leaving certain things out, but like you said, it's kind of like the gospel accounts. They tell the story in different ways for different purposes, for different audiences. And the purpose of Chronicles is just to give God's people some hope, actually, and to remind them, like, don't worry about David and Bathsheba. Like, we're moving on here. And and to just even think that God moves on, and to even think of 21, chapter 21, as a story of God's great mercy. I'm reminded of the verse, God's kindness leads us to repentance. So his kindness is actually, first of all, even telling us that we did something wrong. And uh, second of all, just... Um, not coming at us with his full wrath. So he doesn't come at David with his full wrath. Uh, And the story of Bathsheba, which is totally um, blotted out, kind of like our sins are blotted out by Jesus uh, here in chapter 20. And then in chapter 21, it just kind of reminds me how the wrath of God was full blast. That sword came swinging down on Jesus. And uh, that is not something that we have to worry about anymore. But we should repent every day. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I think you're, you, you, have, you, you hit the nail on the head there. That um, that's or a on great, the cross. Uh, or, <laughs> Too or, soon. Or, yeah. Sorry. Uh, maybe. Um, well, you still hit the nail on the head, depending on where you're putting the nail. Is the that's the question, I guess. Ah. Um, but the, uh, yeah, you know, this in a sense. Um, yeah, it, it is omitted from the Chronicles because, you know, and David himself says to uh, the uh, well, he writes in his Psalm, Psalm 51, you know, yeah. blot out my iniquities. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's kind of ah, what happens. Nice. Yeah, it's, Good is, connection. Is, yeah, it's it is blotted out here now. But I, I, I will say that um, the 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 other side that that does give us hope is. That though David is a sinner, he is forgiven. And and chapter 21 shows his sin, but his repentance as well. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of anything giving you, you hope, I, I thought, uh, I mean, there's there's several things in this. Uh, God keeping his promises always, 
uh, is always a source of hope. But I, I think the uh, the thing in terms of hope that is shown to David and that we can take something from from there, um, you know, so David uh, repents and he, he builds the uh, the altar and there's a uh, the, the, the kind of the approval from God hmm. is that fire comes down. Um, for the we don't for the offering. think of fire as a good thing, do we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But it's actually um, a source of life. Well, and well, and, and so there's there's kind of two connections with this. Okay. So you think about the uh, the Lord present or David built there an altar. This is verse 26 in chapter uh, 21. David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of the burnt offering. Um, so that's, you know, that's God's approval that he has, you know, t- forgiven David, um, that, you know, his he uh, has had mercy upon David that his repentance. You know, God has ha- has blotted out his his sins for that. That's the the certain sign that he that David and God are are back in a right relationship. Hmm. Well, you, you, you think about that and 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 kind of hope for us as Christians. Well, you know, where does that come into play for us? Where's the sure, sure and certain sign for us? Well, there's two images that come to mind. The first is uh, the image of the fire that comes down at Pentecost. Uh, wow. That that, you know, this is the sure and certain sign that God's word is going out to all peoples, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins or preaching uh, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is going to go out to all people. And that that's for and it's for everyone, uh, every tribe, tongue, language, every race, ethnicity, nationality, everybody is included in that. And that that sign is still carried forward today, not so much in fire coming down from heaven, but in the place where there is a congregation and there is a man placed in the office of the holy ministry who speaks on behalf of God to the people. If you want the sure and certain sign that God has forgiven you, the pastor is there to say that word to you. And even more, the pastor is there to bring to you from the altar of the cross to the altar in the church, the body and blood of Christ. That is the sure and certain sign of God's forgiveness, of blotting out your sins, of taking away your iniquities, of making you right with him. God literally puts that into you. That's his sure and certain sign that he uh, approves or accepts your repentance and that he has forgiven you. So I, 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 I look at what happens here in uh, Chronicle, First Chronicles 21 with God approving of, uh, of David's repentance and his sacrifice by sending the, uh, the fire. And, and I see that even now God does that by sending forth his messengers, pastors, uh, and even other Christians yeah. to proclaim his word of absolution. And then that he also sends forth his son's own body and blood to be given to those Christians, that that is the sure and certain sign you are in right relationship with him. So that would be my, uh, uh, you know, takeaway from of hope, uh, at least at least one part of it from this section. Nice. Amen to that. Preach it, brother. Preach it. And by the way, to all the parishioners at Messiah Lutheran Church in Bernie, Texas, um, that was a different pastor who said that, not me. Um, so uh, I never said it. So if you, if you got a problem with that, go talk to Coleman. Go talk to Coleman. All right. But anyways, uh, no, I think what I agree with you, um, it, it's just how God works. It's a very interesting way of working. Um, so we're going to take a break right now, and then we'll be back with one last question i lied two questions but we're going to take a break that one's true
Hey, welcome back from our break. Um, before we were on our break, Coleman basically elevated his status as the right and holy reverend. <laughs> um, Thank you. Uh, for me, I'm I'm just a pastor. But anyways, <laughs> um, hey, Coleman, uh, it's been awesome. Uh, this has been great conversation, great points you've been making. How do you see this section having importance to our lives today? Uh, great question. Uh, I would say, I mean, there, there are several layers to this one again, uh, this is God's word. This is God's revelation of, of who he is and what he's done through history using, uh, even flawed sinners, uh, to continue to carry out his will using even this, their sins and, 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 and still showing his mercy, uh, um, in the midst of their sins. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing for us to remember. Uh, and especially as you know, uh, and this sounds kind of strange, but we're, we're heading into election season. And I know there are a lot of people that are, uh, really, you know, hung up on, you know, which candidate should they choose? How should they vote? All of those types of things. And they're having a lot of struggles with conscience about those things. And, you know, there's the the answer is at the end of the day, God is merciful. That's what gets repeated in this uh, section. David himself even says that's why he chooses God's punishment instead of uh, <laughs> the other punishments. Which he is says, actually I interesting, know, you know, because yeah, some uh, parts in the Bible say fear God, fear those who can kill the soul rather than the body, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. But that's that's cool, though. Yeah. But, you know. David says, let me fall into the hand of the Lord for his mercy is very great. Yeah. And so, you know, with ever, with whatever is burdening our consciences right now, um, the, the, the answer is simple. God is merciful and gracious. Trust his word. And, you know, and especially in light of uh, the elections, kind of the easy target to pick on. However you vote, ask the Lord for mercy and then, you know, Cast your vote and ask the Lord for mercy again after it um, and ask the Lord to have mercy on our country uh, for you guys in Texas, for us up here in Michigan. You know, all those things I'll always be seeking God's mercy. So I think that's that's one, you know, overall uh, uh, implication for us. Uh, the second thing, and this is this is something you actually hit on, Alex, Um when when David does go into the census and he starts to lean on uh, the the numbers, the military might that he has as kind of his sure confidence, uh, and then God, you know, is displeased with that and he says, "No, I'm your sure confidence." Uh, there is a parallel to uh, our churches, our congregations, especially in this time of COVID. Where, where people are quite uncertain of whether they want to return to in-person church or not. Um, you, you know, uh, there's there's this, um, and then just even in the church as a whole, before COVID, um, the, you know, numbers have dwindled. And there's this sense of, you know, we don't have the numbers we used to. Uh, is God forsaking us? And the reality is, that isn't how God demonstrates his promises. His promises are in his word and his promises delivered is the faithfulness, uh, his faithfulness given to us. Um, and his, uh, what he asks of us is to remain faithful to him. And that can be, uh, you know, ju simply just the family being faithful to God in, in carrying out their vocations or a congregation of 5,000 members. It is, it, the size doesn't matter. It is the the uh, it is the faithfulness of of the people of trusting God's word of hearing His word receiving His gifts and so I, I think a, a real uh, contemporary application to this is not to get hung up on uh, the numbers whether they be great or small uh, it is to trust God to lean on Him He is our sure and certain confidence uh, and especially in the midst of this pandemic. He has guaranteed everyone who believes in his son that they will be raised from the dead, that death, even if it comes at the hands of COVID-19 or something else, he will raise them from the dead and give them everlasting life. That's his promise. And God doesn't break his word. So I think 
those are a, a couple of the big uh, applications or how they have importance to our lives now. Um, and, and especially in this time, in this interesting time yeah. in our country. So. Nice. So I should gather in a room with 5,000 people is what you're saying? You know, if you can space it out and, you know, maintain and make sure, you, you know, you guys are safe with that. Sure. Uh, that wasn't the answer I was looking I, for, Coleman. <laughs> well, I, I'm I, if you you preach the word to 5000 people and they hear it and believe it, it doesn't matter if those 5000 people die in that moment or they die at the you know, when God ordains it, if they believe in Christ. They believe his sacrifice on the cross for their sins, believe in his resurrection from the dead for their life everlasting. That's the reward that they will receive. That's the promise that God has made. Yeah, fair and enough. For those who, and, I just don't and, want to spread anything to the 5,000 people that don't yet believe. I'm just saying. Very good. Good point. Very good point. All right. Settle down, Col Coleman. You're going to get me in trouble here. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways... You made some really good points. The word of God is important, so let's be faithful. <laughs> All right? That might look a little bit different depending on where we're at, but let's be faithful. All right. Uh, we always like to end on a random question, and my random question for you today, Coleman, is, um, is this. If you could have an unlimited supply of anything for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my goodness! Seriously, you can't. You can answer a theological oh. question, but you can't answer that question. What's wrong? With uh, yeah. That, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, an unlimited supply of anything for the rest of my life. You can navigate um, COVID nineteen, but you can't answer that question. What's wrong? With no, you? that's that's a yeah, that's a, that's a stumper. I mean, there's so, there's so many good things that I would want to have, and I'm unlimited supply of so many i mean uh, well the theological answer to that is of course god's grace but he already gives that i so. knew you were uh, going to say that <laughs> i knew you were going to say yeah. that ladies and gentlemen yeah. if you don't know coleman that is a very coleman thing to do yeah just so you um know. so oh man i know um, what i would do i would order I would have an unlimited supply of election ballots so I could control every election <laughs> as long as I'm alive. Oh, but then I'd yeah. have to stay inside all the time so I would never get sick, so I could survive all the years of elections. Right. Well, I, I mean, mine would probably be some sort of food. I'm just trying to determine which I would want. Okay. Um, Are you I mean, uh, debating it, between a few different kinds? Yeah, I mean something something chocolate or sushi are, are probably you like the two. Sushi? Really? Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, that's ugh. great. <clears throat> oh, it's wonderful. Um, but but I mean, it, and the and the thing is, if if I say chocolate, you know, there there's a, uh, um, it's kind of the variance in chocolate. Do you know chocolate pudding, chocolate cake, chocolate bars, dark chocolate, M and M's. You know all the. Uh, there's a whole gamut of of chocolate items that I would say, you know, if 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 that were if those were included in the in the unlimited supply, okay. I would say choc chocolate would be my answer. All right, so an unlimited supply of chocolate, and instead of an angel wielding a sword, an angel who has unlimited knowledge of the, all the different ways to make the chocolate into all the things that you like. <laughs> There you go. All right. Very uh, good. That sounds good. All right. Here we go. I'm going to say an unlimited supply of ice cream. Okay. So just any any kinds of I, I can have any choice of ice cream that I want. One of the great things we have down here in, in, in Texas that you'll – that you will never understand, Coleman. That we're b so much better than you. By is it? The way. Is ha, it Bluebell? Um, well, Bluebell Blue Bell is fantastic, but also HEB the Texas are, are, Gold. I don't know that one. Bluebell is really, okay. really good. Love Bluebell, yeah. vanilla. Love Bluebell chocolate. I'm usually a vanilla kind of guy, but I love HEBs. They have their store brand. You wouldn't think that the store brand is is that good, but HEB store brands, and it's the, mm -hmm. the kind of grocery store that we have around here, yeah. 
They yep. their store brand of ice cream is so good. Creamy Creations it's called. And I I love their strawberry cheesecake. Ooh, maybe I would do an unlimited supply of cheesecake. Now I'm getting oh, off track. Right. But um, <laughs> an unlimited supply yeah. of ice cream. Probably go bluebell, chocolate vanilla, and then um, creamy creations. And there was another one that my wife just got me one day at the store. It was like this raspberry um, chocolate, yeah, kind of combo. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes, yeah. Well, ice cream was definitely one I was considering as well. And fun fact, um, HEB. I I did not I did not know what this was. Uh, until my brother-in-law was ordained. He's actually ordained and serving in Del Rio, Texas. Ah. So I think I think about three and a half hours west of you, something like that. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I still and, have to uh, figure my way around Texas. <laughs> yeah, it's a big state. Everything's bigger down there from what I hear. Um, <laughs> so we went to, uh, uh, we, were, we were in Del Rio and there's an HEB and it's apparently like the second or third HEB that was established. Um, it's, it's kind of a, a historic oh, like thing in that. Yeah. I, okay. I, I think that's, that's what it was. So anyways, uh, but we did not try their ice cream. So next time I'm down there, I will have to insist on getting their ice cream. I wonder if like in the first HEB ever established, they have like this, this box of the first that preserves the, like a glass <laughs> display case that preserves the first ever HEB paper bag. Mm. Yeah. Do you ever know. hear about the uh, guy who like bought these? Ah, what did he do? He bought this like he showed up at Disneyland on like the very first day it opened, and he got these vouchers for like unlimited tickets, unlimited like a season pass for the rest of his life because he showed up like it was like some promotion, like the first so and so people that show up to Disneyland, and this guy showed up and he. He still gets his um, uh, season pass every year, even though the prices have gone up really, really high since then. Yeah. It was, well, I don't know when Disneyland opened, but like maybe in the 70s or something. But uh, mm. yeah, there you go. Ah. Ooh, unlimited Disney okay. World ticket. I changed my <laughs> mind. Okay, there you go. All right. Well, Coleman, thanks for... Uh, being on the show with us at Grow Up and Talk. Uh, listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you're enjoying all the episodes. Feel free to share this with your friends, your family, um, even your enemies, I guess. I don't know. Who knows what you do these days? But if you have questions, email them to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any real theological questions, email Coleman. We'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Peace. Thank you, Alex. God's peace.